This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Ty Brewster. Ty is a broker at a Phoenix, Arizona, specializing in the franchise space. He works with Locate AI. I'm excited for him to be here. He does a lot of interesting work. He's got a good story for us. Welcome to the show, Ty. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you inviting me on. So, oh, no worries, man. So, Ty, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. So, I'm a specialist in the franchise space. I work uh, with about 70 different franchise brands doing national master broker work, helping them grow around the country, uh, working with franchisees. We have a program with Locate AI where we track on the technology side about 200 million cell phones around the country. And then we provide that data to our clients at no cost uh, in exchange for allowing us to help their franchisees work on their real estate deals. And we monetize our services with the landlord commissions that are received. So we do a similar to a Buxton service we provide our clients with that uh, financial analysis and uh, location analysis service at no cost so that we can help them grow around the country. Super fascinating that you provide this service that gets you in the door, but then you and you use that and then you leverage that to let the real estate be the payer of your guy's business versus uh, the actual client paying for the uh, the locate AI service. So that, that that's super interesting. And so when you say you track cell phone data and, and, and you mentioned Buxton, would you guys put yourself in the in the Buxton category or more like the placer category of like uh, when you're when you're monitoring cell phones, I would say the dip, I would say the difference between us and Placer. When you run a Placer report, the Placer report does not have any information or artificial intelligence associated with that individual user. So, for example, if I am working with Chipotle, just to pull a name out of a hat, and I run a Placer report they do not have sales data for Chipotle to understand the individual cell phones going in and out of every Chipotle, the revenue being driven by those cell phones going in and out of that location. And they're not able to use that to predict potential revenue from other future locations. We do provide that. So as Buxton is a a uh, system that provides uh, location analysis and it gives you a revenue analysis for potential locations. We are very similar to that in, where we will work with a company, give them revenue analysis where locate or where uh, placer ad does not do that with an individual company. We will actually pull your sales from all of your locations, analyze 
the cell phones going in and out of each of those locations and give you revenue analysis if you have enough locations that we can an analyze that. Got it. Um, yeah, the sales forecasting that Buxton does and sells to retailers, sure. I will say this. There is sales data that Placer is coming out with and they have come out with. I don't know if you've seen it. Check it out. Um, it certainly is uh, interesting uh, and how they're getting that data. Uh, okay. So I got to ask, how do you work with 70 different brands? How's that possible? That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a pretty good sized team and we're looking to build a team similar to what uh, Staubach put together. So we are unique in that we are a tenant only shop. We're focused only on the tenant side of the business. So that is all we do is focus on these franchise brands and help them to grow. So we can work volumes. I'm working right now with my team on over 230 transactions and uh, you've got to develop a system. You've got to work that system uh, well, and you've got to stay on top of each of these transactions and make sure that uh, everybody's doing their job and keeping these things rolling. So that's super interesting. I guess the, the, the follow-up to that for me is, are you hired by the franchisor or the franchisee? So I build a relationship with the franchisor who then introduces me to the franchisee at the perfect time. So the franchisor does not have need for real estate. The franchisor signs a franchisee in Ankeny, Iowa, north of Des Moines. And then that franchisee, at the time that they fr sign their franchise agreement, then they have a need for real estate the franchisor would then introduce me to that franchisee at the time they signed their franchise agreement. And I would service the franchisee or the franchisee's team. And got it. And there are some, you say franchisor doesn't have a need for real estate. There are some franchisor that's in a franchise model that do guarantee the lease and they work on the lease and the franchisee just gets given the location. Um, that is, that is an unusual scenario that does happen. That happens. Chick-fil-A is kind of I mean, like that. Chick-fil-A is kind of like that, right? Chick-fil-A is, is a whole nother animal. I don't work with Chick-fil-A. But, 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 but there, and there's McDonald's is like that. Yeah. Look, uh, some of the larger, there's 2000 franchise brands. You could probably name three or four that are like that, but that's very, very unusual. Most franchises will sign a franchise agreement with a franchisee or a franchisee group, and then they will start looking for leased space. I help those franchisees find leased space. Sure. And, and so you're not doing any work with the, the corporate groups, right? Just franchise groups, right? So like if someone doesn't have a franchise model like a Starbucks or a Chipotle who's not franchised, they're just they're all corporate. You're not doing that work. That is not my specialty. I have one client uh, that I work with. It is a corporation uh, where I do corporate locations, but everything else is franchised. And I'm going to ask personal, and if you don't like this, we could scrap it out of the episode. Are you ready? I'm ready. So one of the things I'm, I'm curious about, are these franchisors signing an agreement with you? Like, do you have an exclusive agreement 
or is it, um, and, and do these franchisees have to work with you? So yes, I have an agreement with the franchisor and the franchisor, if the franchisor does choose to grow and they do corporate units, which some franchisee franchisors will have up to 10% of their locations would be, would be corporate owned units so that they can do test marketing or, or different things like that. Uh, they are required to use our services if we do a model for them. The franchisees, the franchisor is required to introduce us to the franchisee. They're not required to use us. It is very common that a franchisee already has a relationship in the market and they want to use the person that they have a relationship with, or they might have a brother who's a commercial real estate agent and they want to use their brother and I'm not their brother. Uh, so we're fine if they don't utilize us in, uh, you know, Tampa, Florida for uh, Rosati's Pizza. They they can use their brother if they choose to do that. And we'll just work with the next franchisee that comes down the pike. Got it. Can you name some of the brands that you work with? Let everyone know who are some of the brands that you represent. Yeah, yeah. So, again, Rosati's Pizza is one that we uh, that I just mentioned. We work with a group called uh, Soar Autism Centers. Uh, we work with Hunter Douglas Blinds. We work with Benjamin Moore Paints. I do all the work around the country for uh, iFlex uh, Stretch Studios. We work with uh, Prime IV Hydration and Wellness. Uh, we've, we've, I could go on and on <laughs> literally, but uh, we're working with a number of franchise clients around the country and always adding new ones. If anybody is interested in having a conversation about how we can help, uh, that is, that is what we do. We are the number one ranked, uh, franchise services, real estate firm in the country, according to entrepreneur magazine in the September issue, uh, that just came out, uh, about a month and a half ago. All right. So how did you get into this niche of franchisees? So um, I joined about 15 years ago, I joined with a couple of partners that did all of the Cold Stone Creamery work in, out of Phoenix from about the ninth store on. So I started initially just helping them with uh, their uh, finances, helping them do payroll and doing some accounting work while I was actually working another job and then uh, started doing this full time uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, as we rolled out, I started with some brands, actually started working in the malls, doing concepts like Doc Popcorn kiosks and uh, Maui Wowie kiosks and then kind of went from there. So but but like, how did you get started? Like, how does one get this the start of doing Maui Wowie deals in a kiosk in a mall? Like, how, how does that happen? So uh, that would be, okay, that's an interesting question. So um, I partnered with a couple of guys who were doing Cold Stone Creameries. I then uh, was given a Rosati's pizza transaction to do from my partners. I'm talking to Tim McCarthy, who's my uh, Rosati's pizza uh, franchise development guy. And he says to me one day, hey, I'm not going to be in the office on Thursday and Friday. I'm going to be at a franchise show. 
And I said, franchise show? What do you mean a franchise show? He says, well, I, we go to a franchise show and then we have a booth and I stand in a booth and then people come who want to open a franchise and they talk to me about opening a franchise. And there's a bunch of other companies that want to sell franchises. I said, so you're in a room with a hundred of my potential clients and nobody can leave for three full days in Anaheim, California. And I got in a car and I drove there. I stayed in uh, embassy suites and I thought this is a magical thing. And I've been doing that 15 times a year ever since. Woo. I love that. Yeah. It's, uh, it was like, it was like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, uh, uh, all of these people are stuck here. They can't leave the room and they have nothing to do, but to talk to me when they're not talking to potential franchisees, I buy them drinks. I'll you know, take them to dinner and I build relationships with franchise brands, franchise concepts and help them to grow their business. So the commercial real estate tenant rep in retail tenant rep restaurant retail super competitive landscape not a ton of firms but everyone's vying for you know a you know a, a a pot of people that's finite um and you know you could argue is there a ton of firms or not depends on your relativity uh index but Tell me, you know, what is the key difference? What's the differentiator for someone who's so focused and represents franchisees versus non-franchisees and, wh and why you've been able to snowball that? Is it just because people just don't want to get into that lane because it's tough because it's a new franchisee, they're small business owners, or is there something that you guys and you in particular bring to the table of an understanding or an execution that is hard for others to replicate? So I believe up until February, when another colleague of mine here in Phoenix is going to get uh, a designation, I am the only certified franchise executive in the country that holds a real estate license that I am aware of. So. In the franchising space, there's a designation called the CFE. That is like a master's in business for the franchising space. It's a designation that proves through the International Franchise Association that you understand the franchise space and that you are well-versed in, uh, uh, in that vertical. I have a CFE. I've had a CFE now for about six or seven years. Why there is only one. And now as of February, there will be two. I don't know. That's to be honest with you, <laughs> kind of confusing to me. Um, I don't want everyone to, you know, start figuring that out to be perfectly honest with you, because it's a pretty good living for me, but I will tell you, I do go to these events. I go to 15 events a year. And I will tell you, Chris, I don't mind taking you to an event. Uh, it's me. It's not a lot of folks. Um, there's only a couple of brands that uh, have this on their radar 
it is surprising to me. And I think it's a big miss for some of the big guys. The yeah, CBRE so, world. So I'm super familiar with the conference and super familiar um, with the – there's a bunch of conferences that go on for the franchise world. But I – it doesn't surprise me that you're the only real estate guy in the room. And I'll tell you why it doesn't surprise me. So I went to, are you familiar with the NRF, the national retail federation? They yeah, put on the, the January the, show at Javits. I went to the January show. I was the only, only, it felt like the only real estate person in the room. And it was a great learning experience, but I will say this. And so I, I get a little bit, I think it's amazing that you do it from a, I, I, I guess a time value of money. I, I see a little bit because there it, it's a law. It's the law. You going to that conference is the long game. Cause I don't know how many, but I, maybe there are, maybe you'll school me. How many times you leave there with deals where you leave and you like got this franchisee, or this franchisor to sign up because I don't know if that's the right venue for that. Whereas our industry is very used to the ICSE where, where there's a lot of immediate gratification. You go to the event. It's ICSE does a tremendous job of setting this up to be a place where you're going to leave with something tangible, a deal, a relationship about a deal. You know, the amount of times we leave and and people are going to tour properties that we own is high. Whereas that's not the type of event because you're essentially a, a vendor, a new vendor at this event, it's probably not going to be that immediate satisfaction, that immediate gratification. It's a long tail game. That's my gut. No, that is absolutely correct. In fact, when I started to do this, I actually sat down with my wife because I was paying out of pocket in my own for with my own money. Uh, I didn't have a company that was going to fund this. And we committed in writing my, I signed this co contract and my wife signed this contract, uh, $30,000 a year for three full years that we we're going to spend this money, whether we had a return on investment or not. And if I had not done that after the first 12 months, I probably would have said, there's just no ROI here. Uh, that, it's not going to work. Uh, now, 15 years later, um, I have built a team of brokers around the country. We're driving millions of dollars of revenue. Uh, we're looking to replicate uh, what uh, Staubach created uh, on the retail side, which hasn't ever been created. Uh, a true tenant-focused retail firm and that is something that's never happened 15 years ago you spent 30 grand a year for three years to go to this conference i think it's really educational and i love that it's really educational because everyone's heard you got to spend one percent or three percent of your income on educating yourself whatever it might be invest in yourself at that time eighteen thousand dollars 18,000. What was, was that? That was your income. That's what I made that year. The second year I made $22,000. And you were spending 30, 30 each year. 
My Ooh. third year, I did I did better. I made more than 30 my third year, and I make significantly more than 30 now. But it took it was a commitment that I had to have my wife and me, and I had kids who were young kids. I mean, I'm 56 now, so I was 40 years old. I had kids that were, you know, high school and junior high school, and it was an investment. It was, I was starting a business and I was investing money into a business. Uh, and it was a scary experience, but yeah, that was, I, I made $18,000, uh, that I paid taxes on in my first year in real estate and spent 30 on educating yourself uh, on building relationships in the business. And again, we're, you're saying one show, it's much more than one show. Yeah, There's sure. there. So like, I just got back, uh, two weeks ago, uh, from the national, uh, the restaurant finance show and talk to probably 12 different brands that I will probably work with four of those. One of them is big chicken, uh, this Shaq's brand that I've got a good relationship with those guys. And I mean, those, some of these brands, uh, California pizza kitchen is not growing anymore through corporate stores, they're going to be franchising. And between you and me, they don't have much of an idea of how to grow and franchise. I can sure. certainly help them with that. For sure. It, you know, you, we could end right here, you know, spent 30,000 investing in yourself and in your business, made 18,000 and kept going. That's a story in itself, Ty. Uh, by the way, you went to the restaurant finance conference. What's the what outside of interest rates are very high? What was the <laughs> what was the talk of the town? Franchising, franchising, franchising. It's uh, things are falling into a place for people like me. Um, so so uh, so to step back from that, you're at the restaurant finance conference, and that's not what I would think was at there. But the the concept was the talk of the town was you got to start franchising, and so groups like California Pizza Kitchen. Who haven't had franchising they've got i don't know 200 locations 150 locations of corporate stores now they're getting into franchising because it so here's the problem that you have in your business as a landlord right now a corporate entity to build out a space is having to take money at what seven percent eight percent nine percent interest sure that yeah. is that is that's brutal then they're comparing that to the earnings that they get off of a basically free money three years ago. And they're trying to compare that. So corporate growth has really slowed from what I'm seeing. And I think probably as a landlord, from what you're seeing, you're probably signing many less corporate leases than you were four years ago, every year. I would, so that hasn't translated yet because I think there's something else going on which is, I understand the point and the premise, which is there's just this lack of space. And so there's a lack of space and there's still significant demand. And where I play in the value retail space, they're, they're doing well. And so they are growing. That said, I 
the way I would characterize, I wouldn't say I see a slowdown in the corporate. I see an explosion in franchise. Okay. And I think that the reason you're going to see that is that when you are laid off, when you have an economic downturn like 2008, 2009, 2010, these are some of the best years that franchising has ever seen because a person is going to take their package from Twitter or X, whatever the case may be, and they're going to want to do their own thing. And so they're going to go out to Wild Birds Unlimited and buy a birdseed store because they want to be their own boss. And they've got they've already worked for the man. They've beat their head against that corporate wall. And now they want to do their own thing. And when you go out and you put fifty thousand dollars on the line and you buy that franchise, you have to open the corporate entity does not have to open any more stores. When you buy a franchise from uh, from any brand, you know, uh, Moe's Southwest Grill, you've given them $50,000. If you don't open, that $50,000 goes away. You have to open a store. Corporate does not have to open a store. So it's a different mentality to the person signing that lease. Sure. Okay. I could talk to you about this for days and Ty, I think after this, you and I are going to catch up more. <laughs> and I'm happy to, I, I could talk about this probably longer than you. We'll have to uh, have you out for a son's game. Maybe we'll uh, uh, talk through the whole game. Uh, don't tempt me. I would love to go see a son's game. 12th row. I'm writing this down. I'm telling I you, you met Danielle. I'm telling her after. Okay. Ty told me he's taking me to a Suns game. Make I'm taking you to a Suns game. I've got uh, control of four seats. We, in fact, uh, I have three daughters. So hashtag girl dad. Shout out to all the girl dads out there. I have a daughter. Uh, six. Very good. I love it. Thank you. My youngest is 26. She's going to strangle me if I get that wrong. Pretty sure that's right. Uh, and uh, she's about to have uh, uh, my third granddaughter. Wow. So very excited Congrats. about that. But about uh, eight years ago, we moved downtown so that my wife and I, who are empty nesters, can walk to the Suns games and walk to the Diamondbacks games. So I just got done watching three World Series games that didn't turn out awesomely. But I am... Uh, uh, it was amazing to go and watch a World Series game in person. I did not think I would ever be able to say I could do that, but that I'm one cool. of maybe 3,500 season ticket holders in the Diamondbacks, uh, which is uh, not the most well-attended team in the league. Well, I am. Uh, I'm going to take you up on that Suns game. Okay, let's do it. Let's go to the last part of the show. I want you to tell a story, and you're going to take me to Utah about a store that opened called Seven Brothers Burgers. Take me away. Tell me where we're going and what's going on here. Why is this interesting? All right. So this is a long story, a little bit. So uh, as far as the amount of time. So my daughters, uh, we took them on vacation to Hawaii. We were out on the North Shore. I love the waves. And my daughter went to church on Sunday with some friends who were uh, living out in Hawaii. And they said, you've got to check out this hamburger place. It's phenomenal. It's the best hamburger place in the world. And my daughter came home from church and told me we got to see that. I said, that's a ridiculous thing. 
there's no good food in Hawaii. It's all horrible. You know, it's all this food truck stuff. Anyway, they said, no, 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 we got to go. So on Monday, we go to this place called Seven Brothers Burgers in Laia. It is right on the North Shore in a little college town. And I, I had a hard time finding it. I did not think it was just little 1100 square foot space in this little, it wasn't a food line. It was like a food. It was like a little grocery store and very hard to find. We go in and eat best hamburger I've ever had. They've got this Paniolo cowboy burger that is as big as my head. I was shocked. We went to eat there every day thereafter for the whole vacation for a week. It was phenomenal. So <laughs> we, uh, what, what uh, was that? Why did balloons just show up on the screen? I don't know. That was phenomenal, though. That was pretty cool. So if that happens every time I talk about the Paniolo Cowboy Burger, I, there we go. I love that. What's going on if, right now? If, that's amazing. I love this. This is very good. So, so I thought, this is amazing. So as a real estate guy, as a franchise guy, my first thought is, I got to leave my business card. So the last day in Hawaii, I leave my business card and I leave it with a 19 year old kid who's a college student and say, hey, if if you guys ever wanted to come to the States, this would be great. I would love to have you. Now they're just messing with me. <laughs> That's pretty good. Somebody's messing with us right now. This is I love insane. It. This is awesome. I would love to have you give me a call and I could help you. I'm a real estate guy. I'd love to have you come out and I can help you to franchise and, and do the whole thing. I get a call about three months later from a guy who said, you left your business card at my family's brand. He is one of the seven brothers and he wants to open a store in Utah. I said, that's amazing. So we uh, started the search, helped him to find a location. We opened one for him and his brother, one, two of the seven brothers. And so uh, we now have a location of Seven Brothers Burgers in Provo, Utah, as well as one that's over in Saratoga Springs, Utah, uh, from that little vacation that we took after my daughter got home from a, a trip to Chile that she took. And uh, we'll- Amazing. Well, that's, uh, that's- I love that. Love the story. I mean, the fact that you left your card on vacation, your mind would always work in and it led to something. Karma, that's a great thing. Uh, the How many locations do they have now? Uh, I think we're up to 10 locations. So we've got five along the North Shore and uh, an Arizona location and then uh, four locations in Utah. Are they... Are they going to franchise? They are franchising. Yes. Yes. So I actually flew out a friend of mine to uh, Hawaii that wanted to help them to franchise. That's another, that's a service thing. One of the things that we do at uh, Locate is we try to, before we're going to ask somebody to work with us, we try to serve them three times. So uh, I actually, took somebody out to Hawaii to provide them an act of service. They wanted to work with a brand to help 
uh, somebody to grow and build into franchising. So I took a gentleman by the name of Eddie Goisha to Hawaii so that he could uh, help them to figure out how to franchise. So now they're franchising with Eddie and his team. Got it. Amazing. Good for you. So if you want to do a hamburger place, Seven Brothers, it's phenomenal. They're open all over the East Coast. They would do uh, they do very well. You know, we just we just bought a center in Arizona, by the way. First Where is one, Prescott. Oh, Prescott. My my daughter lives in Prescott. Shout out to Morgan. Oh, shout Girl out, Morgan. Dad. She's uh, Swifty. Okay, go to very the uh, Trader Joe's Center. DLC oh, just bought it. Very good. I like that. We could we could certainly put some brands up in there. There you go. All right, Ty. I'm going to bring us to the end of the show. I got three questions for you. You ready? Rapid fire. Let's do it. All right. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Burger Chef and Jeff. I love them as a kid. We would go there as kids in the Midwest. Oh, it's phenomenal. Excellent. Never heard that one before. Question you never two. heard of them? Oh, no, no. I heard of them. Little, I know them. I know that. They give I, you I, a little I, toy. I, I know the brand. No one's ever oh, said it as it. the brand on the oh, show. Yeah. Loved it. Question two. What's the last item over $20 you bought in a store? A secondary monitor. I gave mine to a uh, client uh, because he needed one. So I had to buy a new one. Got it. Last question. Question three. If you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? Sports guy. Sports guy. I'm going to be in the TVs. I do that all the time. My wife will find me in the TVs. I'm just watching the sporting events. Whatever. I, I could watch 12-year-olds play baseball just all day, every day. I'm totally you, addicted. Uh, you a Cardinals fan too? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, as much as you can be. I mean, they're, they're, it's tough. It's tough after the third or fourth game, but yeah. Where are you from originally? So I'm originally from the Northwest, Portland, Oregon. So uh football's never been my jam got it uh more of a basketball and base baseball guy so are you trail are you a trailblazers fan i like the trailblazers back when they <laughs> when they drafted Bowie uh okay. back sam in the Bowie. day but uh sam Bowie, i remember watching him as a kid i would go up courtside he had the same size head that i had and i was like four foot two but it was amazing how small his head was for a guy who was seven foot. Oh my God. It was amazing. Much, when I go up there, he was, yeah, those are the good old days. You're too much, Ty. All right, Ty, yeah, we're going to end this. I'm going to set up a call with you. You're fascinating. I'm going to set up a call with you after. This is great. Thank you so much. Um, You're going to be out in New York. I'd love to see you in, uh, at ICSC. Let's make it happen. I'm there. I'll make it happen. I'll talk to you. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.